Today's episode is brought to you by our company, Sales Schema. Sales Schema helps agencies and B2B service companies build a reliable business development system through tasteful and targeted outreach. To learn more about us and check out our latest video training, go to saleschema.com slash take charge. I think it's just, it's it's one piece of the puzzle, but I think really getting clear on what it is you need at a, at a granular level. You know, one of the biggest mistakes people make is getting really desperate. I need someone, I need someone, and not being clear on what you're actually hiring someone for, making the role up as you go, or getting them somebody smart in the role, and then throwing the whole kitchen sink at them and hoping they can do everything. <laughs> it's like, that's not the yeah. way to do it. Welcome to the Digital Agency Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Englander. My new book, Relationship Sales at Scale, is now live on Amazon Kindle, on paperback, as well as hardcover. So to tell you about the book and to give you a little context, in a world of noise, competition, and skepticism, you've probably found that spamming your prospects with undifferentiated pitches, case studies, and sales collateral is a lot like yelling at a brick wall. And on the other hand, trying to go old school and completely personalize every touchpoint 100% is unrealistic and unsustainable because the few people you manage to contact might not even notice or care. And when life gets busy, your sales activity and your team's activity tends to grind to a halt. Your pipeline runs dry and stagnation, feast and famine, all these bad things, they can all happen. So what if the answer is actually combining the new school with the old? And instead of going in cold, how much faster could you grow if you could identify and open doors with the prospects who live within your circles of influence and are already primed to trust and do business with you? So this book, Relationship Sales at Scale, is the new selling philosophy for our age. Bold statement, right? But it is because it marries the timeless power of tribe-based trust with digitally enabled scale so you can open doors tastefully and convert prospects consistently, all without spamming anyone. So it's written by me, Dan Englander. I'm the CEO and founder of this company, Sales Schema, and the book's stories strategies, and hands-on resources are grounded in thousands of outreach campaigns conducted for clients since 2014. That's among almost 90 clients to secure opportunities between our clients and hard-to-reach prospects, including the leaders of the largest companies on earth. A few things you're going to learn, you're going to learn how to balance personalization and scale to keep your pipeline full and achieve reliable and predictable growth. You're going to learn how to condense five years of networking and do a single week-long campaign so you can batch up warm referrals into specific ideal accounts. You're going to learn how to de-risk conversations. That's the, the emphasis for this with highly skeptical prospects by leveraging strong personal commonalities instead of boring publicly available information like, hey, I saw you tweeted about this thing last week. That doesn't work. And you're going to be able to leverage dozens of actual copy examples, campaign strategies, and online resources so you can launch and close deals in a matter of weeks. So Relationship Sales to Scale will reshape the way you think about sales and business development, whether you are an owner, a dedicated salesperson, or in any growth-focused role. This book is a fit for the owners and salespeople in professional service companies and other B2B service and or software areas, assuming you're going after high lifetime value. So this is not for small, medium-sized businesses. So with that said, if you would like to learn more and pick up the book on Kindle or paperback or hardcover, and eventually we'll have it out in audio before too long, you can do that by going to saleschema.com slash rsas. Again, that's saleschema.com slash rsas. 
So today on the show, I'm very excited to welcome Andrea McKenzie, who is the founder of Lead with Harmony. So Andrea is a hiring strategist and team and leadership development expert who helps growth-oriented small business owners and executives hire, develop, and lead their teams towards higher performance, lower stress, and stronger leadership. She brings her 20-plus years in corporate roles and consulting that span almost every business function and size, from small businesses to Fortune 500s, to her unique approach to serving her clients. So as I'll talk about, we can't get enough perspectives on hiring. It's really the sun around which all the other planets revolve, more or less. And I think you're going to learn a lot from Andrea, some things we covered. We talked about the Colby process and why it's important, and I think the least hand-wavy, wishy-washy sort of uh, performance assessment, you know, personality type test you can give people because it tells you how they're actually going to work, not just what they feel or what they think. So she talked about the importance of Colby. We talked about the common mistakes people make in the hiring process. We talked about the value of gut feeling and where it should live. And we talked about what you can do to actually build a candidate pipeline and get rid of this urgency bias that tanks effective hiring. So without further ado, please give it up for Andrea McKenzie. Andrea, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, yeah. So we were just talking, you're in Marina Del Rey, which is beautiful. I'm in New York, which is still nice this this fall, although it's going to get cold uh, anytime now. Uh, and the topic is, you know, the, the age-old question of how to hire better. It's probably, it's probably the biggest thing you can get good at as an entrepreneur or as a manager. Um, and everything kind of revolves around it, right? So I, I feel like we should be talking about this way more than we have here at the Digital Agency Growth Podcast. Before we get into that, can you talk about your your story and your background and, and how you got here? Sure, absolutely. So my name is Andrea McKenzie. My business is called Lead with Harmony, and I focus on helping business owners and executives with hiring and leadership and developing their team, essentially. Um, and my background is actually, I started off as a musician, <laughs> so a creative. Uh, <laughs> and I think it was an interesting thing to come out of a music degree, being somebody with kind of a head for business and kind of understanding a lot of different things, but the degree being sort of, you know, the, the limiting factor and just sort of going from lateral job to lateral job and learning a lot about business, but also realizing that, you know, a lot of people look at the resume when they're hiring, like, and, <laughs> and it didn't necessarily look so great. So I went back to school for my MBA and coming out of there, I went into consulting. If anybody knows anything about getting thrown into the consulting sink or swim kind of world, as much as I was focusing on things like process and operations and, and numbers and metrics and strategy and all of that, I think the thing that really bubbled to the top for me was how important people are. How important is it that the right people are in the right seats, that people are doing what they're really meant to be doing and aligned with their work? So when I went on, on my own as a consultant and got myself a business coach, I very quickly realized how powerful coaching was. Not that I necessarily always call myself a coach, but the modality is so powerful that I started to really understand how I could incorporate that into a different kind of, of way of helping people with their business problems and helping people develop leadership, helping people understand how to hire, create better teams, you know, all of that kind of great stuff, collaborating better, communicating better. And so, yeah, I just kept developing that expertise over time and building that tool bag, you know, yeah. uh, the toolbox, I guess. And that's kind of where I am. 
That's awesome. And sorry for mispronouncing your name, by the way, Andrea. Got that now. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, so with that, uh, can you talk a little bit about just kind of like the sorts of companies you're working with, the sorts of people, like how you're, you know, engaging clients from day yeah. one and beyond? So it's just so listeners can kind of wrap their heads around what you're up to. It really depends on the type of company. Sometimes it's a, it's someone who's got, you know, one or two people, but they know that they're starting to, to hit a capacity and their team is going to start to become number one. Growing that team starts to become number one. When you, when you really get that sales process down and you understand how you're attracting the, the great, you know, clients and things like that, all of a sudden, hopefully you start to hit a wall. You know, you start to basically not turn people away because you don't have enough capacity. So you need to build a team in conjunction. It's just a, a wonderful sort of parallel thing. And they're very similar. There's a very similar process. You're looking to get ideal clients in. You're looking to get ideal employees in. Getting your, your employees set up to really attract that same customer that's aligned with your brand and the way that you do things to carry things out becomes sometimes more important at that point, especially if you if you really put your CEO hat on and realize, hey, I'm growing a business. I got to have people, <laughs> right? So yeah, that's really where it, where it comes from. Yeah. And I think along those lines, like there's a lot of, uh, not a lot, there's several kind of like big business religions, like there's the traction system and then you have the scale, scale up over and harnish and there's, there's others, right? There's a lot of like import put on, on values on like creating company values. Right. And I I've sort of felt like it's not that they're not important earlier on, but you, you take time to develop them and then they seem like they become more important as you get to the pl- point where an owner can't communicate with everybody and there has to be something that's strong enough to like withstand volatility and something that's not so specific that it breaks as soon as there's, there's some complicating factor. And the other thing that's helped me recently is reading this new Amazon book called Working Backwards, right? Which is kind of like how Amazon's done things and so on. But it, it, it it's more like an emphasis on principles as opposed to values, which seems... I don't know, a little more specific or like less less hand wavy. But let me let me stop talking. Like, I'd love to hear your take on that. Like, at what point should companies be developing values? Is there like a point at which you're like, okay, we need to actually figure out this stuff that everybody keeps telling me I need to figure out? How do you think about yeah. values or principles or oh, however you're gonna yeah. As a quick break, I wanted to let you know about our newest video training, How to Take Charge of Your Agency's Future Revenue. By the end of this training, you're going to learn how we get two to five qualified appointments every week using tasteful and highly targeted email outreach. That might not sound like a lot, but once you understand the outreach napkin math, you're going to learn how this can lead to massive scale for your agency or B2B service company. In addition to that, you're going to learn the six steps for successful outreach campaigns based on everything that we've learned from working with more than 100 agencies since 2014. You're going to get the complete agency outreach tech stack so you understand the right tools for getting the right results. And you're going to see agency to brand email examples and get inspiration from high converting campaigns. So to get this 30-minute training, all you need to do is go to saleschema.com slash take charge. Again, that's saleschema.com slash take charge. Yeah. I mean, actually, it's interesting you use the word principles. I think in a way that's sort of what you stand for, right? I, I, th- I think, right? I'm trying to really like what really is the definition of a principle. I think it's sort of what you stand for, where you don't waver, right? It's like, this is my thing. This is what I stand for. And I think that's very much an important thing to know. And I I think it starts with 
day one with the business owner, right? I mean, let's not be, I mean, companies are people, <laughs> right? We have values, we have principles, but sometimes we're not, as individuals, not even 100% certain on what that thing is we we stand for no matter what. And I think getting yeah. clear on that as an individual is really important and putting that out there again, even to your clients, to your vendors, to your employees as you start to grow, I think is really important to know what you're grounded in. And when you're talking about hiring. And again, you know, when you asked me how I work, I was really focusing on that person who's starting off with a small team. Sometimes I'm working with larger teams that have been together forever, right? And, and just sometimes even going back to, hey, what do we all stand for here? <laughs> yeah. what, what are we all saying? Like, we're, we stand for being respectful to each other, let's say, for example, <laughs> you know, whatever those things are, it's really important to make sure that people have that common language and that common ground. So yeah, I think it starts with the individual. But when you're hiring, what you want to come up with are what are those shared values that you want to be bringing people in with? Like, what is that thing you're, again, what's that red carpet that you roll out to clients that also has that same, here's what we stand for. We want our clients to be, I don't know, empowered by knowledge. or We want our clients to be, you know, feeling, I don't know, supported or something like that. Well, then you want your people to feel supported. (laughs) You know, you want, right. You want to give that same thought and, and awareness to both sides of that coin. Yeah. The thing that really kind of got me over the hill into liking the, the way of thinking about this as principles is just how specific yet widely applicable the way that like Amazon did it is. And then it's sort of like one of them is, you know, drill down where, you know, they have executives getting into the weeds on things and you kind of envision each one. And I think a lot of times when you, when you usually hear about values, it's usually from some giant corporation and it's so vague. And so like generally agreeable that you can't really do anything with it. So that, but that makes sense. And I I think I agree with, with what I think you're saying. To, to get into what you're actually doing a little bit more and, and the hiring process, um, I know that you you focus a lot on Colby. So can you talk about what Colby is for those that don't know? Yes. Thanks for asking. It's it's an interesting topic because some people who know it immediately are like, yes, talk about Colby. Tell me more. <laughs> but it, it's one of these things that it has kind of a higher learning curve, so to speak. It's an assessment that you know a lot of people look at assessments, they automatically assume it's personality you know, or it's, or it's something that has a sort of a moving target. It'll change over time. I could take it today and it says one thing and five years from now, it'll say something else. And this is where Colby's very different. It, it pinpoints one specific piece of how you solve problems. It's very objective. It's not about the why. It's not about all the context and being strategic and having all the information. It's about your gut. So it's how you solve problems when you're completely free to be yourself, which translates to the most productive way of doing things for you, which translates to the way you do things when you're in the least amount of stress. And so when people hire using it, they can assess what their expectations are of that kind of doing problem solving work that those expectations and then match people to it. So they know at least they're hiring at a bare minimum, somebody who does work in the way they need it done. And just to give you like one example of that, because again, I like I said, this is a very high learning curve. I'm yeah. going to admit that. But let's say on one, one end of the spectrum, somebody has extremely high attention to detail. And on the other end of the spectrum, somebody can hit you between the eyes with a tagline that'll say everything it needs to say in one sentence. You're not going to get that in this in one person. 
right? So to expect one person to do both of those things is basically you're saying no one is qualified for this job. (laughs) You're basically going to run around trying to find one person to do both and they're just going to be a revolving door. So really getting clear on actually what we need is that really high attention to detail in this role. Let's find somebody who does that when they're in their stride. They're an investigator. They get down into those details and they're going to be so happy in that role (laughs) because that's how they do it. It's And that's, that's what's so awesome about it is you're letting people be free. That's one of my values, by the way, is freedom. (laughs) You're letting people to be free to be who they are. I mean, how beautiful is that in and of itself for a value? Yeah, that's that's really compelling. And it's funny because I took the Colby assessment a while back because I've uh, a business coach, Taylor Pearson, to give him a shout out. And yeah, me take the Colby test. And then I got, I, I forget the exact score I got, but I remember getting off the charts like 90 something percentile for quick start, yeah. you know, for just like taking action on things. Yeah. And then he was like, yeah, that's all of his clients are like other business owners and stuff. And he was like, that's pretty much like 90% of my clients get 90 plus percent quick start. <laughs> so I'm like, ah, that's, that's kind funny, of interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it is a very entrepreneurial MO in the sense of let's just go. You know, I'm also a quick start, by the way. But I do have several clients who are long line fact finders. Again, that attention to detail, the research, they lead by vetting things. And I also have clients who are, let's say, facilitators where they're constantly bringing in people from all sides. So once you understand, I guess the moral of the story is using Colby to understand who you are as a leader is the first step in anything you're about to do, right? So knowing what you need to delegate right away right? Knowing who you need to hire, knowing, you know, how you're going to need somebody to communicate with you or where you need somebody to fill in your gaps. It's awareness of self is the beginning of any type of leadership. So to me, Colby's one of the easiest, quickest things to know about yourself and to learn about other people. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. Um, And that makes me want to go back through those, the the, the PDFs again and everything. Um, I guess with that, where does it fit in exactly, right? Because like, what comes first? Is you you coming up with the role and the title and all that that you want? Are you coming up with a personality first and starting with Colby? How does it kind of slot into the the bigger hiring picture? I would say that starting to think about what you need in, in your next hire is something to be doing all the time, right? Not when it's at like this super desperate, urgent place, but to constantly be thinking of what would I get off my plate next? <laughs> just constantly be making that list, right? And as you have that laundry list of all the things that you would be getting off your list, the things that you don't love doing, the things that you don't do naturally, the things that you don't know how to do, your, it's not your expertise, right? To really put those in a big laundry list, right? And then I would say, start prioritizing them. Like, what are the things that are going to be your biggest bang for your buck? What's going to get you back the time you need to get back? What's going to make you more money, right? Like all the, all those kind of things and start really prioritizing them and then get the things that fall to the top of that list and start thinking about who, who's going to fit into that. And, and, and once you understand something like Colby, you'll see where you're like, mm, this is probably two people I need to hire or I need to outsource for this or I need to automate this piece or something. You start to look at it more strategically around these different pieces that need to need to come off your plate. Using Colby at the point where you've kind of gotten that list down and, and say, okay, this is my, you know, uh, I don't know, assistant role, or this is my salesperson role or whatever it is. Then you go and you say, all right, I'm going to take a Colby C on the role, which is my conative expectations. That's a Colby terminology, right? Of, of how I need this person to work. 
And that's going to be one of the things I do when I'm I'm vetting candidates. It's 80% predictive of how someone behaves in the role, meaning how they approach problem solving. So it's a really good, it's not everything, right? You absolutely still want to think about what values is this person bringing to the table? What kind of personality, right? Are they customer facing? Do they need to have a certain demeanor, right? All those things are important. What do they need to know? What do they need to hit the ground running in terms of skills, right? So Colby's not everything, but it is one quick way to kind of eliminate certain people, I think, is to say, all right, yeah, no, we don't need, we don't need Andrea or Dan. We don't need a quick start in this role. We need somebody who's actually going to be risk averse, (laughs) right? And point out, mitigate all the risks and plan for every detail. And so I think it's just, it's, it's one piece of the puzzle, but I think really getting clear on what it is you need at at a granular level. You know, one of the biggest mistakes people make is, getting really desperate. I need someone, I need someone and not being clear on what you're actually hiring someone for, making the role up as you go or getting them somebody smart in the role and then throwing the whole kitchen sink at them and hoping they can do everything. <laughs> it's like, that's not the yeah. way to do it. Yeah. You know? And I think you hit on a really, really important point where it's like so many bad hires come out of urgency bias. I think everyone that's ever hired for a certain amount of time has dealt with that that pressure, right? That urgency bias. So I've always heard a lot of like, yeah, you should hire ahead of time. You should hire before you need the role. You should be out interviewing people. But at the same time, like once you talk to somebody who's talented and, you know, could fit the role, there's kind of that shot clock because they're looking for a job or, you know, um, or whatever that there's kind of a time of being of the essence sort of dynamic. So how do you balance those two things? And and plus not to mention, you know, the time and resources it takes to conduct interviews, to hire, to do all these things. So how do you, can, can you do hiring as a hobby? Like, how do you, how do you think about it? (laughs) Well, I think about it just like a pipeline of clients, right? You may, you know, really want to work, you know, you might have a client who comes in and really wants to work with you, but you don't have time for them. Right. At that very moment that you, you know what I mean? It's like having the pipeline is kind of the same concept with employees. Right. So you want to continue to develop relationships. You want to know where your ideal potential employees hang out, continue to network with people who might know people who are going to have that that same I don't know, again, like be a match for your culture and personality and the types of people that you want to hire. I mean, you know, it really, size of company and number of resources kind of working on these kinds of things, it it varies so wildly. I mean, I've seen tech startups just hire, 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 and like, we'll we'll figure out where they go after the fact, (laughs) you know, and for, for better or worse. They can, they sort of can do that. Is it is it ideal? No. I mean, I've come in after the fact. I mean, like, all right, now let's look at who you have and start reorganizing it to align people with what who they really are and what they really do. Because I think there is a again going back to me and where I was in my resume, not matching who I was, not matching my ability. Right. So looking at the looking only at a resume is one of the worst things you can do. And other people will look and say, well, we're just going to hire people from a great school because we know they're going to have this knowledge. Well, okay. But they might come in and bowl over your whole culture because their personality is off the charts, you know? So really hiring slow in a meticulous way is best practice, but it's not always the way it happens. It's not always what people do. Yeah, that that makes sense. So you know, it's sort of like there's all these things that improve your odds. You're never going to get it perfect, but the Colby and 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 other things you can do help that. So can we, let's talk about those those other things a little bit. Like, not to put you on the spot, but what are, are there interview questions you like to ask? Like, what are your favorite yeah. interview questions? 
Oh boy. Somebody recently asked me this too. And I was like, I, I, it's one of those things where I, what I really like to do when I know I'm working with a hiring manager is to sit down and really find out again, going back to their priorities, what is it that they really want and need in this role? So if you, let's say that like the ultimate thing is some skill that you need to make sure that they have, right? You need to tailor your questions towards making sure that they know how to handle whatever it is you need them to handle. If it's a personality thing, you ask them something about, tell me about a time when this happened or, you know, that kind of thing. I I guess what I'm saying is I'm not really big on like, ask them, hit them with this question and it's gonna, you know, no, (laughs) There's not like one magic question. Um, I've seen laundry lists of those kind of things. You can find them online, but I, I feel like it really is what resonates with you and what is your world about. You know, if you're like kind of a disruptor or whatever, hit them with a disruptive question because that's what they're going to be getting every single day, right? But if you're not, don't hit them with that because you're, you're going to be, you know, maybe turning off somebody who's really a fit for your organization. So it right. you really have to tailor it to who you are, just like you want when, when those people walk in the door and hand you a resume, you want them to tailor it to you. They want You want them to be so excited about working for you that they've taken the time to, to present themselves in a way that makes sense to you. Yeah, right. that's that's a good point. And, and I think that it's tough to have like a golden interview question that's going to tell you how effective somebody's going to be. But yeah. I do think there's interview questions you can ask that reveal what people actually are looking for that they might not state on their own or they might not oh, stay yeah. like in a cover letter or resume or whatever. Um, there was one that, uh, that Tyler Cowan, who has this podcast brought up where he's like, tell me the, the tabs you have open on your browser right now. You know, that kind of, <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah. It's interesting. It tells you something, you know, it's, it's, it's a detail. It's hard to say where it all fits in though. Right. So that makes yeah, sense. Or how truth, how truthful somebody would be. <laughs> Right. right. If, they, if you ask them that question, are they going to say, oh, Facebook? And, you know, or are they going to say, oh, I would have, you know, Wall Street Journal? <laughs> right. How are yeah. they going to answer that question? Well, <laughs> one question that I've, yeah, I haven't tried that one yet. It does, it does have some, some cheesiness to it, I guess. But like one that I've asked is, hey, let's, and I think I got this from somewhere, but I stole it, like everything. Um, <laughs> I, it's basically like, let's say we're six months in and this isn't working out you know, what's your best guess about what went wrong. Right. And that, that to me will be kind of revealing because people will, the better candidates that we've had will say things that aren't just immediately taking all the blame for it. Right. They're like, probably I did this wrong. Probably I, you know, you did this other thing wrong. That's something I've seen in other situations. They're thinking about it more honestly or soberly, I guess. Yeah. Yes. And I mean, there, there are great, resources for interviews. Like there's something called the Dynermind interview, which is actually a sister company to Colby. And there's great questions in there, right? They're not mine. So I can't be like, these are my questions, right? But there's, it's great because it helps you understand exactly what you said. It helps you understand if this person energetically is going to be somebody who's looking at things in in a competitive way or a win-lose kind of way, or if they're a win-win kind of person, right? Or if there's somebody who really sees solutions rather than problems. Like those are the kind of questions that you want to get at. I think what I'm saying is like, even just there's witty questions, you know, and and some of those really do show who you are, like the question about the tabs, right? It's fun. It's a fun question. You know, is it a fit for every single, you know, company out there? Probably not. But um, yeah, yeah, there's, there's what you really want to get clear on your interview. Let's be clear. This is an important 
topic. <laughs> you want to get clear for this role. What is it that you need and make sure that you're getting those answers, right? Right. That makes sense. And to move forward a little bit, you know, after the hire happens, what what are some of those blind spots that are perpetuating stress, you know, conflict, burnout in, in the, the workplace? Yeah. Oh, it's a great question. I mean, well, I think one of the things going back to even just the beginning, the interview process is, are you looking at all the pieces to make sure that this person is in a role that's aligned with who they are? And Again, I know we've talked about Colby a little bit, but really having expectations that are aligned with who somebody is, right, is is going to help you onboard them and say, "All right, here's who I am. Now let's look at how we need to how we need to communicate together, how we collaborate, how you work with the rest of the team." So a big piece of it is if you start to implement these things where you know how people work and you know who they are, as you onboard people, you can you can set the expectations around, this is your peer who does things this way, right? <laughs> so don't be interrupting them every five seconds because they need to focus, right? Or this is your other peer who does things this way. Throw all the urgent stuff at them because this is how they work, right? So really helping them onboard with like, this is how everybody works. <laughs> this is what we do. This is who we are. So that there's more information about the people instead of just the the tasks and those kind of things. And I think there's also something to be said for somebody knowing what they're sort of being tasked with, what they're being measured on. Right? There's always going to be a learning curve over the first, you know, three three ish three months, about ninety days, where you can't imagine, you know, can't expect people to hit the ground running. But know what where you're trying to get them in terms of goals. You know, by by the end of the ninety days, we want to make sure you're doing X number of these, or we're we're trying to do so that way you know, right? And and that's part of the interview process too. Is is if you know that you're going to have certain sets of expectations, you want to make sure that they're able to meet them, so that they don't they're not blindsided on day one. Right, that makes sense. And with with that in mind, um, what's your take on on references and kind of where they fit into the equation? Yeah, that's tough. I mean, it's tough because people can't really be honest in a reference. You know, it. it <laughs> I mean, I think it's good. I think they're they're great because some people will go. You know, they'll give you this reference where somebody will go crazy about this person is amazing and so, and so on and so forth. So I think that they're valuable. I definitely think they're valuable. But I think that if you're getting somebody who's a problem, you're not necessarily going to find that out in a reference. You might find yeah. out that you're getting somebody pretty awesome though <laughs> from references. So that's good. Yeah. I mean, yeah. what I've, my, my personal experience with references is like, it's, it, you have to kind of listen to like what they're whispering, you know, more than what they're saying out <laughs> yeah. loud. Right. And it, it also right. corroborates things. Cause I, cause sometimes I'll go into, I've gone into reference calls where I'll have information that the reference E uh, doesn't have about or alleged information, right. About why that person might've left a job or whatever it might be. And also like one thing that I've, found useful is to be like everybody has a relatively you know glowing opinion of the person they're referencing but then if you can kind of say okay what's the best person you've ever known in this role well it's so and so where does that's a hundred you know where does this person stack up to that person could be useful i found but but yeah i would definitely see like kind of where you're coming from with that yeah they're Um, not going to give you somebody who's not going to at least be halfway nice about who right they're not going to send you to the person who's had a bad experience with them so yeah probably not but it might whisper <laughs> non-publicly available information right which is yes yes point. oh yeah. i think they're so i think they're important i think it's something to do you know definitely and and try to get 
get the vibe <laughs> try to read between the lines to your point yeah, yeah. Th- that makes a lot of sense so um the last segment which i did not brief you on so this might be uh, a little bit a little bit of a surprise but i think you're up to the challenge <laughs> it's called overrated underrated and i'm going okay. I'll, I'll say a word or a phrase kind of related to to your field you know hiring etc you let yeah. you let us know overrated underrated properly rated and why so i've got i got a few of these are you ready I think so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The first one is recruiters. That's so broad. Don't do this to me. God. You can pass. Do you want to pass? Yeah, I want. Okay. Well, I want to pass because there's so. It's like it depends on the recruiter, <laughs> right? Some are amazing, and it's like you have this whole gamut of recruiters that. Yeah. Well, that's that's another good good question. So sometimes the point of the, seg- the of this segment is to open up new topics. So. What makes for a good recruiter in your book? First of all, I think the definition of what a, what a recruiter is is kind of confusing. You know, it, it really is. I mean, I know people that are their main thing is to just really do the research and just find you, you know, some of the best candidates they can find you, and then it's on you to really vet them, right? That's one. You know, it, it, like there's like a there's a whole process there, right? Of Basically, what that is, is that pipeline of attracting people in. So does the recruiter have everything they need to, again, do they know what your brand is? They know what you offer. Do they know whatever that is, right? And then there's also internal recruiters, where I've worked with internal recruiters who have hired me to help them with something like Colby to add that into the mix of how do we find the people who are aligned better? And those people, I mean, when, when they understand that there's, there's so many different facets of what to look at and they're bringing in other experts and they're really seeing like, this is a massive process. Those are the great, the great recruiters. Right. But at the same time, if all you need is just somebody to do the research and make the phone calls to those like super high end, you know, people to like kind of get them into your world, that's a, that's a different thing. It depends on, what you're looking for in a recruiter, right? Yeah. Um, so it's again, good, bad, right, or wrong. It depends on are they doing what it is you're expecting them to do. Gotcha. Cool. Let's process. let's bounce back to the segment and yeah. hope hopefully an easier one. We'll we'll see. Uh <laughs> that that is slack. I would say overrated. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. It's uh it's a lot more noise than signal, I think, but it can be fun. It has its place. Yeah. It, yeah, and it it can it actually can decrease productivity sometimes. It depends on who we're talking about again, right? So, yeah, makes sense. Job fairs, maybe underrated, underrated in the sense that there's such an opportunity when you get to meet someone in person, mm-hmm. and especially now. <laughs> it's like wow, an in person situation, right? But making sure that you're really taking advantage of that and really talking to people and having, you know, being prepared for it, not just sort of taking it willy nilly. Like, yeah, I think it's, I think they're probably underrated on both sides of that coin, the the job seeker and the hiring manager. I think you can use it more. That's, that's great. And that, that makes sense to me. This one might be tougher, but I'm curious intuition or like gut feeling in the context of an interview or hiring process. Oh, 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 oh. Because uh, in general, I think it's it's really important, but I think it's overrated in the hiring process. I think sometimes people get super excited about certain things and they're not, you got to be a little bit more strategic than that. Yeah. You can really, li- you can really like someone 
and make a really bad hiring decision. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I I agree mostly. I think um, I I think it's underrated in the negative and overrated in the positive, basically. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's right. That's right. That's right. That's yeah. kind of what I was thinking too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It makes mm-hmm. makes sense. Um, and the last yeah. one I have is something that has come up a lot, which I've I've like always like gone back and forth with with our team and with my wife when she's like hired people or applied for jobs is the the value of a thank you note, even if it's just an email. You know, we've all had these situations where you have a really good interview with somebody, but then they just, they don't send you a thank you note. How much stock do you put in that? Overrated? This this is one of my favorite questions. (laughs) First of all, I love thank you notes. Always say thank you. Always, always, always. I like the handwritten, send it in the mail. I used to send, if I was really interested in certain companies I wanted to work for, I would send like a Thanksgiving card, some like random holiday cards. <laughs> like, I just think people remember, you want people to remember you, right? Um, what I don't, what I think is it, you have to also take into consideration though, is if you do it via email, there's always a chance somebody misses that email. There's always a chance the email goes into spam or something happens. Like it's happening more and more lately to me than you would even imagine. And I think it's really tough to be like, well, that person didn't care because they didn't send me a thank you note. And then it's like sitting in your spam. (laughs) You know what I mean? That's tough. It's a tough one. I guess that's kind of why I like to get people's addresses and send the physical thank you. If you're really, if you can especially if it's a job like on the job seeker side if it's a job you really want get to know those people see if they're they'll even just have a coffee with you to talk about their business even if they don't hire you right get to know them get to know what the business is all about what's a day yeah. in the life of working at such and such company or whatever keep in touch again and there's a pipeline there you never know when another job might open up so build relationships <laughs> <laughs> Go to job fairs. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. If, they're, if they still exist, um, yeah, the, the right, bar right, the bar is very exist. low. Yeah, for that sort of thing. Um, so that that makes a lot of sense, Andrea. This was, uh, this was so much fun. Like I learned so much from this, and it's definitely like got. I basically need to like get the pipeline working again <laughs> for hiring. I think it's so easy <laughs> to to take the eye off the ball there. Um, but how can people get resources if if you have them available? Follow what you're up to. Get in touch and all that good stuff. Sure. Leadwithharmony.com is my website. If you want to reach out to me directly via email, it's just Andrea at leadwithharmony.com. I'll throw that out there. I am on LinkedIn. So Andrea McKenzie, just look me up, follow me there. I'm, I'm always on there posting and I have a newsletter on there. And if you're interested, I actually have a special code for you guys to grab something for this particular podcast. So I have something called the delegation visualization. So it's delegationvisualization.com. It gets you in this mindset of what it's like to have this beautiful team and you're a master delegator. It's actually an audio. So going back to my music days, (laughs) um, and there's some worksheets, like a little micro course. And so you can get it for free. If you go to delegationvisualization.com and you put in the code sales schema. Awesome. Pretty easy. Pretty simple. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. And we'll get that linked up and audio is always nice. You can go for a walk and and learn or or whatever it might be. So that's awesome. I appreciate it. Andrea, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It was, it was really fun. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this episode. Again, today's episode was sponsored by our company, Sales Schema. Sales Schema helps agencies and B2B service companies build a reliable business development system through tasteful and targeted outreach. 
To learn more about us and check out our latest video training, again, you can go to saleschema.com slash take charge. Again, that's saleschema.com slash take charge.